2: Again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts podcast. It's episode 135. Today on our show, comedian Greg Warren.
1: You know, if you got a bad hotel, so what? You stay in it, or if you, you know, you sleep in your car. I had money. I, had a, I was a little soft because I had money <laughs> saved away, and I was like, I'm not going to spend all my money. But I'm also, if this room is horrible that they have me staying, I'll just get a hotel.
2: Greg is originally from St. Louis, he started a career with P&G in Houston and then began doing stand-up there. He came to Cincinnati, still pursuing both, before finally deciding to do comedy full-time. He talked with us about his decision to leave a great paying job making good money, highlights from his comedy career, what he's been up to during the pandemic, and more. If you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at podcast.cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code at the end of the episode to save 20% off your next cincyshirts.com order or oldschoolshirts.com order. Now, let's talk to Greg Warren.
3: Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati.
0: Once in a while, I'm at cincyshirts.com in Cincinnati. Our guest today is Greg Warren, who is the, and I you probably know this, but you're the first person I ever met in stand-up comedy.
1: Man, I'm sorry about that. I wish there was somebody... <laughs> I wish. Sorry you somebody, for you or me. No, I wish there was somebody better for your, uh, you know, to tell that story. That's, that's
0: No way, dude. That's <laughs> fun. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know if we've talked about this, but when I um, the first time I decided to do stand up, um, I couldn't get a hold of anybody at go bananas, because the open mic night was so full all the time. So the guy who was um, kind of helping me out and getting me to try it called Jokers in Dayton. And and they booked me. It was um, John. Uh, oh, why am I blanking on his name? You know, who I'm talking about Kirby. John Kirby. Kirby.
1: Yeah, Kirby. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So he called and this was in like October and he booked me for February. on the the jokers open mic night and so i had a couple months of telling everyone that i knew that i was going to do stand-up for the first time in february at jokers in dayton and i told like i got this group of like 70 people to drive up there well the week before i get a call from greg warren saying hey there's a spot open on our open mic night if you want to do five minutes come on out. So I decided to do it and I didn't tell any I told like three friends and so most of the people who think they saw me on my first time on stage actually saw me on my second (laughs) time because I did a secret set at Go Bananas to practice it. Man, this is, if
1: this goes if people hear this, man, that's going (laughs) to really really shake the foundation of a lot of people who thought that second time was your first time (laughs) when in fact it was not yeah it's a fraud it's a fraud i've lived a lie it's time to come clean yeah you yeah you perpetuated a fraud against the city of cincinnati and i and i there's probably some sort of retribution that you do make at least refund whatever the, the the ticket price was for that joker's open mic which I think was yeah. Probably around five dollars. Uh, so
2: wait, you yeah. were a joker's the first time, Josh? Not go. no. So go bananas
0: was my first time.
1: Yeah, he joker's was a ringer. Was my he was, a, he was time. a ringer. He was a guy <laughs> that made it Brought seem as if he was you know unrehearsed. Yet he'd done it one time before. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> you know, makes all the difference. And it's so funny. Everybody wants to talk about the well, the third time, and the or when you talk to young comics that have been on stage like seven times, like yeah what do you think? I'm like, I think that you should do it a thousand more times and (laughs) then we should talk about like what you are doing right or wrong. (laughs) It's it's uh, I mean, it is momentous when it's your first time. But uh,
0: but that's but that's ultimately what led me to meeting you is the first person I ever met in stand up was that that fallout.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it probably would have been um, John Kirby had you not been devious and a liar you know
0: (laughs) 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 but it was fun because i found out you worked at png png feel a little more comfortable of like you know meeting all these people at the same time because let's Let's go down the list of who of people that listening to this podcast have never heard of that would have been regulars back then, <laughs> right? So it would have been JP
1: Madison. JP Madison, one of the uh still one of the funniest human beings that I know. Charles um, Egerton. Charles, ah oh, man, I forgot about Charles. Yeah. Ralph, uh,
0: Ralph Palmer.
1: <laughs> Ralph Palmer. Yeah, man. I think Ralph still thinks He's like, I don't understand how these this Sneed and Warren, those guys, <laughs> made it. I'm way funnier than those. Guys. If you ask Ralph, I, I guarantee he'd be like, "Those guys, I don't, I don't. Why are they on TV, man? I, I, I had way more than those guys. Yeah, Tony Wenland, Danny Miller, Bill uh, McSwain, Bill McSwain, Gary, Gar- uh, Gary Boling, Bowling, who was uh, really, really funny.
0: Yeah, uh, he came a couple years later. And I only know that because when I took over running an open mic night from you and I turned it into that funniest person in Cincinnati contest, Gary won it maybe the first year.
1: Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I don't Gary, think he'd Gary's been doing funny, it. Man. Yet. Really? But man,
0: funny, it's crazy. It's crazy to, to think back. That was 20, 22 years ago. I was say late 90s, huh? Yeah.
1: yeah it was
3: uh,
0: a month before my 21st birthday. So, wow. Yeah. Man, February horrible. 98.
1: How would you get started, Greg? Um, I sort of had a lot of false starts, really. You know, I uh, the first time I ever did it, I was uh, at at the University of Missouri, and I was uh, on the wrestling team there. And there's this guy that worked as a bartender in the summers at that at the at Deja Vu, which was a comedy club in Columbia, Missouri. And um, I was like always loud and obnoxious, and and he like uh, signed me up for this contest that amateur contest that Deja Vu had. And I, uh, and I did it and won it, you know, stacking the crowd with uh, guys on the wrestling team and fraternity uh, brothers and stuff like that. And then uh, I didn't, I was mostly focused on wrestling when I was, you know, in college. So I did it maybe a handful of times in college and then I got, I, my first job was in Houston, Texas. I I was working for Procter and Gamble selling uh, Pringles and Jiff and stuff. And uh, they had a pretty good open mic scene down there. And, you know, I kind of went back and forth of doing it in Houston. And then I had a really good job and I was like, ah, early on I'd have a couple bad sets and I'd be like, "Ah, I don't think I should be doing this. I need to focus on this job that I'm making a lot of money at. And uh, by the end of that was like in, 91 through 96, I was living in uh, in Houston, and um, probably that last year that I was in Houston, I would sort of committed to do it more regularly. You know, I, w- I was doing it every week or so, and starting to maybe get a little bit of work. And then I moved to Cincinnati, and I sort of that 96 through 2001 range, there was a couple times, because I was still getting promoted within the company, and there was a couple times when I was like, nah, I, I think I I really don't want to be a comedian full-time but for the most part during those that five years especially the last two or three i was really committed to trying to figure it out and then uh 2001 i, I quit my uh, job at png and, and, and you know went on the road full-time the plunge
2: so were you regularly yeah. doing it in houston or did you start regularly doing it in cincinnati because I, I always thought you started kind of more so started here
1: no i was doing it in cincinnati i mean in houston before i was doing it in uh cincinnati. Oh, okay yeah i was doing it i was doing it Pretty regularly in Houston. Uh, and there weren't a lot of... Uh, when I moved to Cincinnati, uh, John Chung was booking the club and, and um, they didn't have a lot of local MCs or whatever people that could... Do, so I, I got a good amount of stage time. Really, by the end of that five-year run, I was like one weekend, I was the host in <coughs> Cincinnati, excuse me, at uh, Go Bananas. And then the next week, I would be the host at Jokers in Dayton. And then the next week, I'd be the host at the Funny Bone in Columbus. So I was like getting three weeks a month of MC work. You know, I wanted to, um, I had this day job and I just didn't, you know, I was making a lot, I don't by the time, I think I was making well over a hundred thousand dollars and then I was getting stock options and all. So I was like, I was 10 years into a career and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can give this up. I, you know, and I, I was trying to finagle it. So I got transferred to like New York or LA and I just honestly, you know, with comedy, you're, you know, they basically, when you start out, there's three positions. You're either the MC, which is a local person, the middle act, which back then was usually somebody from out of town and it was a sweet spot. And you, you know, and then the headliner, who was obviously from out of town. But that, that uh, MC spot, you know, and Josh knows this, especially like, especially places like at Jokers on a Friday night, that is a brutal spot. It is not a fun spot. So literally by the end, I think I quit my day job because I was like, I just don't want to be the first guy anymore. Like <laughs> I really was like, I think I'm just going to just give up, take a 90% pay cut just because I would, I want <laughs> so, s- to, it I want to see what it's like to be the second guy. And yeah. I was pretty sure I was going to have to go back to work in a couple years, but I had saved some money. I'm like, I'm just going to just, you know, have fun for two years, be the second guy.
0: And, uh, I remember so. helping you move out of your apartment downtown.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I mean, that's so, so what for you was other than just wanting to not be the first guy anymore? Like what made you finally say, I'm ready to do this? Was that, was that the one thing that sort of pushed you into giving it a shot full time or?
1: No, it's a good question, man. I'm, I mean, I do, it was sort of a, a lot of things together. I, I started to get better. I was a slow starter, you know, and I just started to get better that last couple years. And, you know, Josh, you know how this is. Back then I was the guy at go bananas and I started to see some of the feature acts coming through. And I was like, I'm better than this guy. You know, <laughs> like this guy's he's has the easiest spot on the show and he's having a hard time following me. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm better than this guy. And then I, uh, I went back to Deja Vu and worked there as a feature. Like I, you know, I would take my vacations, I'd go work. And I, I got a week at like the funny bone in St. Louis. I think I got a week in Boise and in, in, uh, at the funny bone there in, in Idaho. And then, um and then at Deja Vu and they all went pretty well. And the guy, Freddie DeMarco who ran Deja Vu, it's Josh, you know, Fred, right? Yeah. yeah. So Fred back then was, you know, he was very well connected. He booked a lot of stuff and he was, He knew me because I worked for him at his bar, and he kind of said offhandedly, he's like, you know, you could actually...
2: Hey, it's PF. Um, Just cutting in here for a second. I got knocked out of the Zoom call because my laptop died. So we missed like about a minute or two. Josh immediately jumped in and started recording the Zoom call through Zoom. And the only thing we missed there, of course, was uh, Greg was explaining that uh, the fellow that ran the club in Houston uh, was very instrumental in getting him uh, doing comedy full time, said you could do this full time. And then he uh, uses that relationship to try and uh, get more work. And we come into that story where he He's talking to another club owner in another town and he's reluctant to mention his friend's name. Uh, Well, I'll let him continue on with the story.
1: I'm like, Hey, I'm Greg Warren. I want to be a comedian. I want to work for you. And she goes, well, who do you know? And I listed like 10 guys. Like I know all these headliners. I know this (laughs) person, this person. And she said, she basically was unimpressed. She was like, uh, no, sorry. Do you know anybody else? And I was like, man, i said I wasn't going to do this. And right out of the gate, I go, you know, you could call Freddy DeMarco if you want. And she gets real serious. She's like, Freddy DeMarco is one of my best friends. And, and he has never mentioned to me, to me, you one time. He said, if you are saying that you know Freddie and you don't know Freddie, you better tell me right now. Because not only will I not book you, nobody will book you if you're lying about knowing Freddie." And I was so defeated, I was like, yeah, you can call him. Basically, I was like, "Yeah, you could call my dad." You know, like so. <laughs> so she gets off the phone. She calls me like five minutes later. She goes, "Okay, I have you booked in Omaha on this date. I have you booked in South Dakota on this date, and I recommended fun. you to like like Freddie's word was gold back then, man.
0: That's hilarious. When was the last time you did a live show?
1: Um, I was actually in uh." uh bloomington uh last week so at the oh, county nice. act just doing like a Friday and a Saturday
3: uh, yeah how many uh how many people, people do you- I
1: what's that oh Brian Regan was playing there he did yeah yeah he was there man the week before I was actually
0: Damn. we saw him right that that two days before he got there there oh and that's I went cool up to the Chappelle's thing.
1: Oh, up there in uh, Dayton or whatever? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was him and Bill Burr on the same show. That's amazing, show. man. That's insane. Jesus. God, that would be cool to see. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, it was-
3: but it's so weird, because it's outside and then it's just two people, you know, six feet and two more people all through this field.
1: Yeah. They
3: all have masks on, you know, and it's outside, so you can't hear anything. So it's like You can't
0: see people laugh. You can't, you can't hear people laughing.
1: Oh, wow. You've got to
3: do your
0: act and hope that they're enjoying it. And he was like, I couldn't tell
3: if I ever got him or not.
1: Yeah, I think you did. (laughs) I think you got him, Brian.
3: Uh, He had a new bit about the Washington football team. That was pretty funny. I don't know. It would be interesting to see what Chappelle does with that, whether they sell it to Netflix or – keeping the can for a year. I don't know. I don't know. Always ways. shooting
1: it all. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know wow. who's his opening act for like the whole summer?
1: Mo. Is it? Mo, Mo Amir. Amir. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Well, here's the thing. I have always called him Mo Amir. Yeah. And now he's going by Mo Ammer. Either that or he hasn't had the balls to tell Chappelle that he's pronouncing it wrong.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's the deal with Bill
3: Cosby still in his bit? I looked up some stuff on uh, YouTube, and that's what all—you know—everyone's asking him uh, in interviews. I was like, "Wait a minute! How can you? You can't really accuse Bill Cosby." I mean, now you can accuse him of lots of things, but
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think he—I think you can accuse Bill Cosby. <laughs> was
3: he was he known uh, of? I mean, you know, you hear people on of stealing bits and whatnot, but I guess I never heard his name brought up.
1: Well, I'm pretty confident he hasn't stolen anything in the last.
0: Six to 12 months. <laughs> Couple months. is there any club in houston now besides the improv
1: um they have a uh, <coughs> it's called the secret group it's like kind of a low it's like downtown in a cool area and they'll, they'll do a show if somebody wants to go and I, I was in san antonio doing a corporate gig so i just went and saw some friends and did a show at the, the secret group it's okay it's nothing great
0: that's crazy i mean it just seems like that was one of the meccas for such a long time
1: oh yeah With it was awesome i think don's it kinda,
0: club and the showcase and the stop
1: yeah i think it just probably got burnt a little a
0: little oversaturated
1: yeah how about you josh when's the last time you did a show i
0: did two shows for jordan and, yeah uh, i think Alexis. i did it the week
1: week after you Maybe or or maybe a maybe couple weeks two out. weeks.
0: Yeah, I think he uh, I think he wanted a test run before Donnie Baker came in, right? And you came in and like you know the normal uh, seat fillers. So I went down there and did uh, two shows just to sort of let him get his feet wet. It was the first ones
1: they'd done. Yeah, there was nobody. There. When I was there, man, it was pretty pretty bleak.
0: The Saint Louis
1: Funny Bone has been open for about a month and about a month and I was just going up there and they were kind of using locals for a, like like a month just sort of a hodgepodge so it was like and me and Nikki Glazer were going up there and doing shows every night. Uh is she
0: hanging out there during all this?
1: Yeah, yeah, she's staying in uh in St. Louis during this. Greg, it's funny that Colleen played such
0: a role in uh in helping you because once I met her, like that was what really. Uh, her and Janet George and South Bend were the ones that that helped me start to get road work when I finally left P and G. Yeah, but it was J Medicine Hat that took me to Colleen, and yeah, kind of vouched not. for me, and I ended yeah. up getting more work through with him through her than uh than I did you know a lot of other clubs just because it you know like you said there's. There's so many clubs that are booked by the same people that if you can just get your foot in the door, it can really help you fill out your calendar when you first start.
1: Yeah, I feel I mean, I feel bad for these guys now because they're really being a feature act on the road is kind of a that's not a thing you can do anymore. I mean, you know, we never got paid that much, but at least they'd pretty much there was 45 weeks a year somewhere where you would get paid five, six hundred bucks and they'd put you up, you know, that's those that's it's probably 10 of those weeks or something.
0: And now. the club would be the ones that would book you. It's you didn't have to have a headliner bring you, which is kind of the case now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, you know, predominantly what
0: it is. But it's amazing how much, uh, how much just someone putting in a word for you can help, you know, like when I quit PNG, it was Friday the 13th, 2001. That was my last day. And for the rest of that year, I was lucky to get one week on the road featuring. And it was, you know, if I got in a club, they would usually have me back, but it was just getting in that first time that seemed impossible. And then I went up to South Bend and Janet George started making phone calls for me. And that next year I worked fifty out of fifty two weeks.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um man, that's that featuring at least for me. And I started late, you know, I was 33 when I quit my day job, but I mean, featuring that first year on the road, that was like the time of my life. That was so much fun. Man. It was just, oh fun. yeah, like you said, I think I was out about 50 weeks, you know, I was for the most part living out of my car yep. and, and, and I wasn't like, you know, like JP and some of those guys that, you know, they, there's a, a little bit of a romantic notion to it because they were broke and they were starving artists. And if those guys didn't, you know, if you got a bad hotel, so what you stay in it, or if you, you know, you sleep in your car, I had money. Like I was yeah. a little, I, had a, I was a little soft because I had money saved <laughs> away. And I was like, I'm not going to spend all my money, but I'm also, if this room is horrible that they have me saying, I'll just get a hotel, which is, you know, <laughs> it's probably made me a, a, a little soft in my, uh,
0: but do you feel I know for me and I don't I'm curious about you do, don't you feel like you know like we were an anomaly and that we left good jobs to do stand up full time but having that job sort of made us wait a little bit longer until we kind of knew we were ready because we knew what we were giving up to to try stand up full time and I feel like we didn't we didn't have to rush into certain opportunities the way some other people do that are sort of like taking whatever they can get whenever they can get it.
1: Yeah. I felt like that. Yeah. I mean, I felt like I was more than ready to, you know, be a feature act. I I had a lot to learn and I was probably not, not near as good as I thought I was, but I was, you know, I was, I had been MCing for 10 years, you know, off and on. So I kind (laughs) of, kind of knew what I was doing and, uh, had made a lot of contacts and yeah. And like you said, if you know, if it was a horrible gig, I would just, I took a couple of them early on. Then I was like, okay, I'm not, I know what that's about. I'm not going, I'm not going to go work for those guys again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what would you say was your biggest turning point in like really, really getting going as a full-time comic? Was it just the amount of club work you were getting or was there some, some comic or club that, that really helped you more than others? Was it finally getting on Bob and Tom?
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I feel like my career has been a whole lot of, like, little victories, you know. But I think, you know, I, I got Montreal pretty quickly. You know, I think you did, too. I mean, I so I got invited to the new faces at Montreal. That was a break where I got an agent and a manager. And then, you know, I, I had a, a bit that sort of got played on Bob and Tom a lot for about a year and a half, and that really – and then Bob and Tom put me on their tour probably about three or four years after I quit my day job. And like right when all that, that all, and I got a couple TV credits around that time too. So all that sort of happened within two or three years. And I got to, you know, that pretty much made it so I could be a full-time headliner. But there was, and then along the way, there was all these things where I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to do this thing and then it'll break me completely. And that, you know, those just, it's, they've all been like, everything winds up being a little anticlimactic because you're like, hey, I'm going to do this thing and I'm either going to be, you know, uh, a billionaire or I'm going to be out of the business selling potato chips again. You know, it's all, for me, it's been, you know, neither. Um, It's all positive, but it's, uh, you know, in in increment. I shouldn't say all positive. I've had some setbacks, too, that I thought, well, I just blew the opera. I blew an opportunity there. That was a, you know, I, um, <laughs> I did last like comic my Montreal standing.
0: experience.
1: Yeah, I did a last comic stand and Montreal for me was like, it was like a, a small win, but I had it built up so much like that I was going to be the superstar that it was a loss. And then, but I got stuff out of it. I was on last comic standing a couple times in my career. And like the second time I was on, it was fairly late. And I, at that point I was like, I thought I could win it. And I got to the semifinals and I lost and I didn't, some things didn't happen the way that I wanted them to. And I, you know, for a, a good while, I sort of talked myself into, well, that was your last chance. It's stupid. It's don't ever. I, sh- I, I spent six years, six months not writing when I should have been. And, uh, yeah, you know, and then things started to better things. 12 happened.
0: years. I think your life in the corporate world gave you
3: the work ethic to sit down and write, or
1: Uh, I didn't work that hard in the corporate world, Darren. (laughs) 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 No, I mean, I think it gave me, you know, it helped me communicate more efficiently. You treated
0: it. You made it treated like a, a profession, right? Like that's. I, I think, think a lot so. of people don't have a professional approach to comedy. They think it's just being funny, but there's a business side to it, and a relationship side to it, and I feel like I, that my day job helped me with that.
1: Yeah, I can certainly navigate the business side a lot better than some of my, uh, you know, my uh, my friends. And I was in I was in the sales part of P and G, so I kind of know what it's like to make you know call people on the phone and, and not act like an idiot. Um, which a lot of my friends didn't in the early years, and I and I think I have somewhat of a work ethic. I, I wish it was stronger, but I have you know I have somewhat of a work ethic. I I try to try to get up and write most most days.
3: Yeah, I mean it's hard to force creativity though, isn't
1: it? I actually think compared to uh, to what most people do for a living, no. And I do think that you need to whatever your creative process is you do need to check in every day if you can, you know, like whether for me, it's usually some sort of journaling in the morning and uh, listening to something on audio and making notes and try, and then maybe some sort of like punch up writing, like whatever that is, I think you need to do that every day. And a lot of times if you do it, you may not get that sort of, you know, just that moment of inspiration uh, right at that time, but I think if you do it on a regular basis, those moments will will show up a lot more often.
0: Yeah, that's like, was it you that turned me onto the artist's way? Probably,
1: yeah. And yeah. I got it's funny because I did tell a lot of people about that. I had a friend of mine from high school actually turn me on to it. And it's so funny because I'm like, you guys gotta do the artist way. And I look back, I'm like, I read like four chapters of the artist <laughs> way. I didn't do I didn't read the whole book. I didn't do I did I don't know, maybe half of it. And then I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. But the, I did take away the the morning pages, the journal thing, yeah. uh, and that I, that has been, you know, the foundation of, of my writing probably for the last how twenty years. About the comedy yeah.
3: bible, that was the big thing when I started. Was, the uh, comedy bible, comedy bible by Judy Judy,
1: huh? Judy Carter, probably yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah
3: yeah, not Judy Bloom, not Judy Gold.
1: Yeah, both. Uh, yeah. Judy Bloom, man. Read a lot of her stuff. as a <laughs> <laughs> Judy Gold. Very funny. Probably a lot funnier than Judy Carter.
0: Was there a headliner that that you fell in particular favor with when you were midland or?
1: No, I never had somebody like complete. I mean, I had guys do me a ton of favors and help me out. Um, but there's I'm trying like it never. Somebody ever really took me on the road or anything like that. But there's guys that were really – you know how it is when you're younger. If somebody just says one thing to you, it really goes a long way. And those guys uh, – Mark Gross, who's still, you know, one of my best friends to this day, was was really encouraging and, and a, a role model for me. Billy Gardell was really – you know, said a couple nice things to me early on and really, really has, has – you know, is a good guy. You know, there's a guy – Ron Morey, who I know you know, Josh. Ron uh, – I think he saw me early on when I was still working at P and G when I was living in Houston. And he was like, kind of like, Hey man, you know, the, he saw me like back when I was drinking and he was like, you know, out in the green room or out in the bar area at the Houston last stop. He's like, you know, the way you make people laugh out here, you do a lot of characters and stuff like that. And you never do that on stage. You should do more of that on stage. He wasn't a real heavy handed guy. And I was like, yeah, he's right, man. And, and it, that really helped me out a lot actually.
3: You sure got a Mitch Hedberg story, right? What's you know, that? Mitch Hedberg story.
1: I mean, I got uh, like Josh, I got a chance to to work with him uh, two or three times early in my career. And it was I mean, I don't want to say I mean, he was always super cool to me. And he's such a genius that I don't want to say I, you know, he influenced me because it's but he probably did in some ways in that, you know, my my comedy is not at all like Mitch's. Um, but he was one of those guys that I saw early on that I was like, "Wow, this is amazing and completely different than anything anybody's doing." And when he when he start started to break at the time, people were like, "Nobody's seen that before." Yeah, and he was he was always like insanely cool to me.
3: Yeah. Always, yeah. Leaving stage, going to the bathroom during right in the middle of the set. Yeah, he. I mean, I
1: think one time I saw him. It was not that long before he died at the, it was at the funny bone in uh, Newport. I think I got turned down for like a comedy central special, like two or three times or something, or I don't know a couple times in Mitch, man, on the way out, he's like, man, I think you're going to get that comedy central special, or something like that. It, it was, it really meant a lot. And that night he did, he bought a shot for everybody in the crowd.
3: Oh, that's right. I was yeah. thinking about that weekend. Yeah. Uh, Greyhounds for for like there's like three hundred of them.
1: Yeah, and I remember the girl Tina that as a friend of mine was running the club and, and she was managing. He's like, I want to get a shot for everybody in here, and she's like, I go, hey man, he's serious. He wants to buy a shot for everybody in here. They he, price for those too. Yeah, they did, man. Yeah, I think they did. <laughs> yeah, he bought a shot for everybody in the crowd.
0: That's crazy. It's yeah. not all surprising, but.
1: And then he would like you get a tip from him you're like lynn his wife she's like hey mitch wanted you to have this and she hands you like a hundred dollar bill at the you know as his opening act which is pretty awesome man yeah
0: yeah i took him a la rosa's pizza up to dayton the week that i emceed up there because he had just been to cincinnati and he had mentioned that he, he didn't get to try the cincinnati pizza so i took one up to dayton and then he ended up Spring in for my hotel room the rest of the week so that I didn't have to drive back and forth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: Rose's, uh, like a little like I grew to like it. I was a little bit of a pizza snob. St. Louis has got its own style. But when I lived in Cincinnati, I was like, yeah, this Little Roses. Then I was like, No, this is pretty good, man. It was, it's got like a sweet, sort of sweet tomato taste to it, doesn't it?
0: Yes, yes. it does.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I grew to like it.
3: Dewey's
1: Pizzas from St. Louis, right? Well, no, it's actually it's Dewitt, who's Dewitt's kid, who owns the Cardinals. But I think it's I think he was living in Cincinnati when he started that. They do have Dewey's about a block from where I'm I live, right? You know where I'm doing this. But yeah, but I think I think Dewitt's kid started it in Cincinnati. I think he's a Cincinnati resident, and I think Dewitt has Cincinnati ties
2: too. Uh, they owned the yeah, Stingers I... for a while. What did they own? They owned the Stingers. In addition to owning the world, They tried to bring the NHL to Cincinnati in the 70s, and that's why they built the uh, the Coliseum on the riverfront. It was to bring an NHL team here, and the NHL decided to pass on Cincinnati, so the DeWitts went to the World Hockey Association and said, can we join your league? And they said, sure. That beautiful new building of yours? So, yeah, the DeWitts uh, brought hockey to Cincinnati.
1: Is that thing there still? Yeah. And who plays in it? The Cyclones. Okay yeah yeah, they were playing yeah
2: so were you a, a uh, my wife will want to know this were you a band one a band two what were you at Png? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't I was like I was
2: people listening from P&G will probably be wondering I wonder what would
1: you yeah I don't know I think I was um
2: I might have been before that I, who knows but,
1: yeah like what uh probably right what like a brand manager would be okay I'm guessing. Because I was on the sales side. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we, I got to like account executive and then I was uh, what they call project manager. That was a big deal to get like to get a, uh, promoted into the general office. So I was working in, you know, the, uh, the central office down, downtown and I'd been out in the field for the first eight years. And uh, it was like the sort of this big deal. And I was it was cool. It was a great company. And I, I really like working there. But it wasn't it didn't give me the jolt that comedy did, you know, and I knew like people would come in and they were into P&G and and they would be like, man, did you see the thing in the Wall Street Journal? And I'd be like, no, I did not. And I will. I like I just I'm trying to care, but I don't care that much. All I care about is being able to go tell jokes, you know, like I really want to do that. And And like I said before, it was like I was, you know, that was for such small money that I was doing that for back then I, I think I made I don't know it was so funny because I remember when I told my dad I was I had already quit you know like I, I I, quit my job and I told my dad and he was like and I was 33 at the time he's like no no sir no no you you tell him you want your job back I'm like I wasn't really asking here dad Like it's, it's done it happened okay I'm sorry it's done and this is what I'm doing, and yeah, I was, I was pretty nervous about it.
2: And how long did you stick around in Cincinnati then, um, or did you go? To Not Houston? at all. I, you know, I, I left I, immediately. I did. <laughs> I
1: moved. You know, and it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, you're from Cincinnati, because I'm like, no, I'm 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 from St. Louis. Like, I I just was living there, so I put my stuff in storage. I can't remember. What, I I think I put my stuff in storage in, in St. Louis, maybe Cincinnati for a little while but I you know I kind of put it in storage and just lived on the road and um I would stay at my parents house I did my friends Paul and Lori in St. Louis or in Cincinnati I would stay at their house every now and then but mostly I stayed in St. Louis in between gigs
2: and then when did you wind up you went to LA first right
1: Yeah I went to LA about a year maybe I went on the road for maybe a year year and a half and then I went to LA okay and stayed there for like 5 years and then I wound up moving back to St. Louis. It was when I was doing the Bob and Tom tour. And I kind of, I don't know, I, LA was good, but I kind of felt like I was getting stalled out a little. One, I was i was getting burnt out of traveling. And two, I was like, I feel like I'm writing about the same stuff that everybody else is. When I'm home or I'm around St. Louis, you get connected to your past a little more. I'm a little more comfortable. And I, I moved back. And that's when a lot of the breaks came for me was that five years I was in, you know, after LA when I was living in St. Louis, I got, I mean, I did a lot of TV at that time. I got to do a half hour special. I was doing a lot of radio, a lot of stuff with Bob and Tom. And then, then I was like, I think I want to sharpen up a little bit here, challenge myself. And I moved to New York for four years and then moved back to St. Louis.
2: Yeah. Hmm. So, and, and Dorr tried to convince you not to leave L.A. What's that? Jimmy Dore tried to convince you not to leave L.A.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Everybody was telling J- gross. Jimmy Dore. They were all like, what are you doing? You're stupid. And it was a good move for me. Now, yeah. who knows? For me, it was. And I I, I didn't put everything I had in L.A., but I was like, you know, I went to acting classes. I, uh, you know, did got up doing stand up a lot, um, but I was a little burnt out on it, especially because I was traveling so much and I just felt like. I didn't know if I would get more famous or more successful, but I felt like I would be better at comedy if I left L.A. at that point. And I, I was for me personally, I was right. There's some amazing comedians in L.A. But for me, I, I felt like I wanted to have a place to be a little bit more. I wanted to write more material, you know, be comfortable on stage, not worry about what people think. And and uh, maybe I should, should have been, you know, had a little tougher skin or, you know, but there was way more opportunity when I moved back to St. Louis, I, I just could do comedy whenever I wanted and about uh, whatever I wanted.
0: And it's easier to travel from here. The quality of life uh, in terms of like how much you get for your money is I was kind of oh, like, yeah. like, I just realized, you know, the lifestyle that I could have here and still work the clubs that I would probably be working, even if I lived in New York or LA would be, I would just be happier here on a daily basis and have the, the life that I wanted should, should it be a career of, you know, just, just being like a, a club headliner, but you know, a good club headliner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, and that's also was the internet started, you know, I mean, it, had, it was big before that, but it started really big. big. It's like a lot of the, you know, late night comedy bookers or something, you just send them a link, you, you know, it, you, you don't have to, have, you know, I just, at that point I remember. Living in just living in St. Louis and sending uh the guy Bart Coleman at the Ferguson show, I think back then, just a link saying, Hey man, will you take a look at this? And I didn't even know him. And then like three months later, I get an email back. He's like, Yeah, this is good, man. We should do this. When do you want to do the show? You know, it's like I I didn't have to, it's they can see your work. Funny, I was thinking about that time and that time when I first. Uh, time I moved back from uh, LA and I was in St. Louis five years, that's, I was doing a lot of road stuff. And I was, you know, I had gotten a little bit uh, of a following from Bob and Tom and stuff. And that was, um, I wrote that bit about uh one star people. And I yeah. called Josh and I'm like, man, I think <laughs> this thing could be a t-shirt. And I, he's like, we'll talk to Darren, you know, and Darren and Josh, like, drew up this t-shirt and it was when you guys first started the business. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. What were we 2006? You guys were
1: early on in the business. And uh, it was like just basically, you know, this bit about basically a different way of saying redneck or white trash, but I call them one-star people. And the, the bit was pretty good. And we, uh, we had like four stars with like one filled in. And uh, originally we had like, there's like five designs, but originally we had like all this stuff. And then I think like, and then we just went down to just the one star thing. And that man, I we sold an insane amount of those shirts back then. Yeah. You me- do you remember that, man? Yeah, man. You we know, were just sure. selling them it's right and military left. Military
0: green with
3: the, Yeah, it was a military
1: green stars. with yeah, and then we sold yeah. some blue ones. We're like yep. we sold a ton of those things, <laughs> man.
3: I mean, that's what kept us going at the beginning, because the sure as hell was not our website. It was all right. for shirts for comics. I
1: mean, yeah. I mean, I remember just getting the first order, you know, we like had tripled the size of the order within the first few months. I'm like, Josh, we got to get like 300 of these shirts, man. They're going crazy. Yeah, And, it, and then I went, and of course I was like, Hey, let's do like girls shirts too, you know, like tank tops. <laughs> and then the thing about that is you take those into the market and every waitress once one, you're like, I'm not going to charge the waitresses for t-shirts and then like, six hot girls want one and I, well she can have one and then i come home i'm like i don't think i've made any money on these shirts <laughs> i gave away so much merchandise man
2: wasn't there yeah. a one star people video Emotion. yeah we made a music
1: video me and that's henry right. phillips henry like, phillips that's wrote right. a song we wrote a yeah, song yeah. called one star people and then we shot this video in st louis uh, in which I, I, uh, a lot of comics were in. I was uh, drag, in drag for half of it. Yeah. It, it, wasn't Nikki Glaser in that video? Nikki plays like, yeah, she's like, a, uh, has wow. like a cameo as a female convict actually. Tommy. I still was have Tommy again in that video? Tommy was not in it. I think he wasn't, I think he had moved to LA at the time or he was on the okay. road. We shot it all in like two days. But uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool, man. It was, that was one of the funnest. I've spent an insane amount of money on shooting videos with comedians and recording video. You know, like I, you know, I've done short films, I've done all this stuff. Stand up's what I do, but I've experimented with a ton of that stuff. And a few, a few of the things actually, you know, did well. And I've had a lot of fun with it. So, that?
0: But you were fun to have, you, you have fun on the road. Like I remember whenever I would, you know, get to work with you, like we'd go to go-kart racing and oh yeah, you know we, we, did, like, we did
1: go-karts down in Virginia beach. Didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I remember, uh, this is one of my favorite interactions. Sneed, I had noticed, I was like, Sneed, you only eat white food. <laughs> like every, it was, it's like bread. It, it was like everything was some color white that he ate, you know, pretzels and bread. And I'm like, Sneed, it's you true. have, you can't, just, This is. this is, we were like in Virginia Beach and then, uh, and I was like, dude, I want to go to the beach. He's like, I want to go uh, I want to go go-karting. I'm like, come on, man. Let's go to the beach. He's like, no. I'm like, dude, they have, like, bread and pretzels and stuff down there, man. You'll <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, I remember it's going true. go-karts. I, I remember doing go-karts at, uh, in Virginia Beach. That was fun, man.
3: Some- oh, man. And you talked about all that uh, one-star shit. That reminded me. I don't know. I have this uh, storage room right on the other side here. And this is horrible. Oh, yeah. But I have this
1: painting still. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What was that from, man? I remember. Oh, that was like um, those. I was going to have like cards. I hired Darren to do like, you know, you leave cards on the table and people uh, will leave their email or whatever. I I completely remember that, man.
3: You're like, yeah, it doesn't look like me. And then, like, I saw this couple couple uh, months ago while I was cleaning out the room, and I was like, "Yeah, that looks nothing like Greg."
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly not now, but Mike uh, Siegel. Hi. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I remember. I come uh, that. Wow, that's crazy. I come. Yeah, a name didn't he? What's that? This
3: guy had a name, didn't he? Was he? Uh, that was
1: the Uncle Earl character, I think, man. Earl. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious, man. <laughs>
0: that's. Yeah. PF will put a picture of it on the blog. Uh, send, send,
1: that is the coolest thing, a- Gary. I remember that was such. A, yeah, and I made we did those cards. We left them out. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was marketing. What was
3: no Facebook page to to visit and like and Instagram and all that.
0: That's how you know you're that you're friends with the, with the headliner is when they can comment on how bad you eat. Uh I was with Billy Gardell, and Billy Gardell is a big guy. He he starred on a sitcom as a fat guy. And uh we were grocery shopping for the week in, in Houston one time, and he looked at everything I bought and he said, You eat like a high six-year-old. <laughs> it was so true. It was just kids, cereal, <laughs> like all kinds of
1: snacks. <laughs> Oh, man. I remember one time, uh, you know, Patrick Geer.
2: Yeah, I've interviewed it him. Sounds familiar.
1: Yeah. Really, a really funny dude. And he's blind. Yeah. He's, he's almost all the way blind, but he's he's mostly blind. He, I think he can see things really close up. But Don, th- who ran the club in Houston, uh, Don Learned.
0: Don Learned. Yeah, And
1: I, and I was working there. And Patrick was the feature with me. And he's like, hey, man, uh, can you uh, give Patrick a lift or whatever home? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, man. To the hotel. Or, and uh oh, patrick wants to go to the grocery store or something you know I don't know if he even said that and then on the way Pat was like can we stop by the grocery store and I and and the next day we're going to radio and I get in and I'm like hey don thanks a lot man he's like what I'm like Don have you ever been grocery shopping with a blind guy it takes <laughs> a long time man it takes a long <laughs> and of course Pat's a great guy and I you know should be more sensitive to <laughs> what he had to go through but I'm like on, man, you made it seem like I was going to take him home for five minutes. It was it was two hours, man. <laughs> Greg, how much is this? Oh, let me see it. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was That's funny hilarious. too. He had some good bits.
0: Man, it's it's crazy to think all the the personalities of the club owners.
1: Oh yeah, you know? man, those guys are characters. Yeah, I think um, now that it's controlled by a lot more chains, it's less interesting you know yeah the individual club owners were were, were were more fun
0: they were more fun but then also it was just you know
1: like and i
0: i've caught just the tail end of it you know but comedians stayed in condos instead of hotels oh, yeah. and then there were there were legendary stories that got passed down of things that had happened in that condo you know yeah yeah two comics in there together for five or six days at a time oh yeah
1: i had some fun times in those in those condos you know the yeah. Boise, Boise one was always a fun week.
0: Boise was great. Yeah. 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 Cause you were there two weeks back to back as the feature act.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I stayed with some, some, some maniacs in, in that condo. <laughs> Man. The stories that we can't tell on a podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I I'm think that may, reason, right that may be the reason. That uh, may be the reason why our friend Jackie Cation refuses to stay in condos.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. I do
0: too. Yeah. 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 That
1: happened a long time There's ago. There's like two that I'll stay in because they're nice. But, you know, yeah, the, the the Myrtle Beach is, you know, I'd rather stay there than a hotel. It's so nice.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Ron White, man. Uh, oh, that was great, man. He was he was so funny. It was before he was
0: here, like, don't eat the mayonnaise because John Fox stayed here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did
1: You know, Ron, it was right before he hit, but he was getting ready to hit. You know, like, I think they'd shot the blue collar thing, but he, it hadn't aired yet. So he kind of knew he was on his way up, but he was, you know, I just, I'd be in bed and Ron would just, yell, Hey, I want to go to Hooters. Let's go. Wake up. Take me to Hooters. You know, like, Ron, <laughs> like I, I'm not selling him out. Cause he would like, it was basically chicken wings, pot or alcohol at any given time during that three hour three, you know, during the 24 hour period, he was asleep or eating chicken wings or smoking pot or drinking. And I get and I get done With the week and Ron had already Left to go home it was Tulsa And uh I get Done the place was a mess You know and I'm like just On the road I'm like I gotta clean this place up I'm not gonna I won't get booked back Ron will get booked back they love you know He's a big time but they're They could eat they just blame it on me so I'm Cleaning up and I see this thing crumpled Up in the corner and it's Ron's check For the week (laughs) And he had given me his number. He was real cool. So I called him like, hey, Ron, I think you left your check here. He's like, oh, yeah, buddy. You're probably going to need to send that to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You'd hear there's a mutual friend of ours that I remember saying, oh, have you?" I was at a a comedy club and staying at the condo. I was like, oh, is so-and-so worked here? And they're like, he won't be back. And I, (laughs) I was like, why? What happened? Oh, he got drunk. And uh, was trying to remember some girl's phone number, and he used the mustard to write the phone number down on the <laughs> ironing board. <laughs> and you just don't get stories like that anymore. Oh, that's great, man. <laughs> oh goodness, man! That well, one,
1: you remember that uh, that Akron club? Did you ever work at Josh?
0: Oh, that's like the notorious, maybe worst condo in comedy. And I
1: actually stayed there one time.
0: I I, back I did then, I was twice.
1: Like- I stayed there and my my favorite was these guys, Pete and Tony. Lebanese big, guys. Lebanese guys, characters, man. And the big thing that everybody told me was like, uh, hey man, they're gonna tell you when you are gonna give you a talk when you get there, they're gonna sit you down and say, Don't have sex with any of the weight staff. They're gonna basically that's the thing. They'd say, you know, you you, you eat what you want, drink what you want, we we'll take you out to the, the strip bar, but you do not you do not touch the weight staff. Nobody has sex with any of the staff. And I get there, and it's like two days, and they haven't had to talk with me, man. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm so little of a threat, you know. I I wanted to be like, hey, man, are you guys going to tell me not to, you know, sleep with the waves? You, you, good. Yeah, give it the best shot, buddy. Go ahead. You try whatever you want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. For the people listening, you have to picture this place. So I think it used to be a strip club because there was a catwalk through the room. And the comedians stayed in the condo that was attached to the back of the club. The only way you could get there was to walk through the kitchen back to the back of the club. And neither bedroom had windows. So you would wake up and you wouldn't know if it was four in the morning or four in the afternoon. I mean, it was. It was crazy, and they would oh, basically me. lock
2: you in there at night.
1: Yeah, if you wanted to get out, you had to take a key and unlock the door to get out.
2: Was that the funny stop in Cuyahoga Falls?
1: Well, when where, I think it was uh, something else, it, it might was have been hilarities. hilarities. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, not
1: which yeah. is very different than the oh, hilarities in Cleveland. The one in downtown, right? yeah. yeah the, they,
2: they did have that. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't and the
1: funny him. stop is still there, I think, but it's a different building and a different situation altogether. Okay. But, uh, same guys, I think.
0: Oh yeah well the the you know people complained about that condo forever and ever and ever and then mysteriously the one week out of the year where they didn't have a comedian staying there because it was a hypnotist who had his own hotel room with no feature act the club burnt down
1: uh it's uh, okay. you know, i don't know what you're insinuating josh <laughs> i'm not
0: insinuating anything. <laughs> or incinerating total, uh, total <laughs> luck total <laughs> luck <laughs> oh man um so tell, what what's going on with you now during the covid how have you been keeping busy uh what what what's your life like in St. Louis when you're not doing stand up but you were were you coaching wrestling
1: that's been a long time ago yeah i haven't done okay. that in a while yeah like everybody else wasn't doing shows for probably the what 3 4 months you know and then i had a special that came out on Amazon Prime on the right like july 1st so I spent that was a nice distraction because I spent about two months promoting this special, you know, and just doing a lot of work around that. So that kind of gave me a distraction for two months. And now I got to get back to, you know, I'd been starting some writing projects and I've been I've been working on my stand up, actually. You know, there's a few places I've gone up here and there and I'm trying to get that next hour together. And it's it's starting to take shape, you know, right before the um the pandemic, I kind of, I was like, I'm making progress here. So it took a, it, you know, I I, I, I was bummed cause I was like starting to, you know, eh, Josh, you know, when you get done with that project and put out a CD or a special or whatever, that first 10 minutes is, you just got no traction, you know, yeah. you, you, you grasp on anything. So I, I kind of have like, you know, 30 minutes toward a new thing and I'm just trying to, to mess with that. So. And I got, I'm trying to, I'm working on a, animated project about wrestling that uh i got a, a writing partner up in new york who produces animation shows and you know we've been going back and forth and like i was making a lot of headway until the special dropped and then i got distracted by that for two months and now i'm like okay we've got that doing what it needs to do and i'm just kind of gone back to all right i have to actually start writing again
0: and that was with uh 800 pound gorilla
1: yeah they they produced a special yeah yeah for amazon it's That's called the cool. uh, called where the field corn grows it's on uh, on amazon <clears throat> prime
0: yeah everybody should definitely check that out on amazon prime
1: yeah the um, uh, the, the pandemics you know cuz it's like i've said too many times cuz you do as a, a comic especially a road comic it's you do get turned around a lot you don't and you're kind of always running and i've always said well man if i had the time i'd do this if i had you know now it's like i have the time it's like oh would ya now? you now <laughs> yeah so i'm trying to at least finish a couple of things Um, that's cool tough uh terrified of the of the of uh covid and i'm uh more of a risk than most people because i as you can see i don't know if you can see i'm a leaner like i'm a surface toucher i uh, i'm always touching surfaces i lean i um I would be elbow deep in a pile of dead bats from Wuhan, China, if it took a little pressure off my ankles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope it doesn't come to that.
0: Yeah. So, how can people follow you on uh, on all the social media?
1: I wouldn't advise it. It's pretty worthless. <laughs> what I'm <have> saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: uh-huh. I'm gonna go counterculture and say, don't, don't do it.
0: Wow, you're a great follow on Facebook.
1: <laughs> You'll find me. Greg Warren is my name. You could find me. It's, it's. I wouldn't advise it. Follow somebody. <laughs> follow a scientist or a philosopher or something. <laughs> There's way too many comedians talking on social media.
0: Oh man. So how often do you get back to Cincinnati? Any plans to do it once all the mayhem lifts?
1: Nothing on the books, but I, you know, I I will. I, I hopefully you know. I, I was supposed to be working there in April, and I'll hopefully I'll be back at the the Funny Bones sometime in uh, 2021, it looks like.
0: Cool. We'll be sure and say hi when you do. Yeah, um, man. And then lastly, we ask our guests to give us a code word that people can use to save 20% off of their order. You get to pick it. What oh, would yeah? you like your, your uh, promo code to be?
1: Well, in honor of uh, Josh's and I's trip to virginia beach uh it would be pretzel all right, pretzel. All
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. he'll never let me live that down but you like to eat at all
1: the same places
0: I did.
3: I did man but i I, I, would, I went to cheese we went to cheesecake
1: factory all the time but i some of the food that i ate was not white or off-white it was white <laughs> bread <laughs> yeah cheesecake which is almost white like Uh, bow tie pasta with yeah a bow tie uh, pasta with with alfredo Alfredo sauce
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right this guy only eats white food uh i'm doing better (laughs) you'd be proud of me i would man all right i was proud of you when you're
1: eating all the white food i just thought it was (laughs) something that i you know should note
0: living the dream (laughs) all right well the uh we thank you for your time, man. And, uh, like oh, I love it. Always, my always oldest, good
1: talking to you guys. Oldest
0: friend in comedy and w- one of the funniest dudes I know. And, uh, people definitely need to check out the new special and then go back and, and listen to all the old stuff too. Cause it's still just super funny and be sure to come, come see him when he gets back to Cincinnati. So thank you, Greg. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time on the Cincy shirts podcast.
1: Thanks, fellas. I gotta uh, go play a pickleball.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah, pickleball. that's big. It is, man. I'm. It's. man i am its i really. Yeah, I just. Yeah. I just discovered it, uh, it like last week, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Weren't you into racquetball for a minute? A, a brief minute when I was in Cincinnati, I played a little racquetball, but it, I was not good. Yeah. But I liked that's, it. Yeah. yeah, it's brutal. All right, brother. Thank hey, thanks, again. guys. Really all good right. to see thanks, you all. Thanks, yeah. Greg. All, all right. right. Bye. All yeah. right. See you guys later. Hey, now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey, now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. And all that is
2: gold. Greg Warren. Uh, so he's going to be in town, well, sort of in town, the Dayton Funny Bone, October 23rd through the 25th. And he's going to be up in Columbus, I believe, uh, sometime in the weeks after that. Just go to gregwarrencomedy.com for all your Greg Warren comedy needs. Uh, he was on Last Comic Standing, as you mentioned. He is a, a wrestling character you might want to look up if you're into wrestling. He made some short films involving that. Look up One Star People, hilarious. Uh, the song he did with Henry Phillips, the whole One Star People concept, uh, good stuff. Now, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast or someone you'd like us to have back on the podcast, simply email us, podcast at cincyshirts.com, and put podcast guest in the subject line. There may be a few sentences about the person you'd like us to have on or have back on, and uh, we will go from there. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. And if you haven't already, as always, I advise you to go back and check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives for all the great episodes back there. There's 134 of them back there, uh, not including this one, so do check all those out. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. Find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and a whole lot more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We've up to like 35, 36 cities now, I think it is. Lots of defunct sports teams, uh, radio stations, clubs, old malls, you name it. It's like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Pretzel. All lowercase, all uppercase, that part doesn't matter. You use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or come into our physical, or as we say, brick-and-mortar stores and over the Rhine and Hyde Park. And tell the nearest associate that you'd like to use the promo code PRESSLE to take 20% off your order. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. Cincinnati.